2: Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. (laughs) Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify.
0: Welcome to Giant Size Heroes number 34. That's right. This giant size has been able to rent a car for nine years. And other relevant dates. The
3: universal association (laughs) with age 34. Uh, The coins just effortlessly (laughs) plucking from the air. (laughs) Effortlessly. Finger on
0: the Boom. Nine years since renting cars in all 50 states. I think it's 25 now. Now, this episode of Giant Size Heroes is coming at you on January 2nd. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Year. So we thought with it being a mere 48 hours into the new year, or 24, I don't know when this drops during the day, but whenever it drops, (laughs) uh, we wanted to cover the decade because we are now living in a brand new... New decade. It is 2020, which means not only do we have clarity of vision, but we should look back to and see what the future holds.
3: Yeah, don't come at us with some decade doesn't start until 2021 because one is the first number of nonsense because uh, we don't mean the 1970s and claim that they begin in 1971. It just feels weird. So it we're just, just gonna roll weird. with it.
0: Decade is ten, and the number ten starts with zero because that's how you gotta count. I'm I'm going with that math logic because I think 25 is plus nine is 34. Also, no.
4: also there have been episode zero of comic books, so go. that's the
0: start. Ah, there, there it is. Coming
3: Soon, negative one and one
0: half. <laughs> yeah, when we get to giant size negative one, worry about us. That's when you got to call somebody. Now we are going to kick off talking about the decade with superhero moments because we are talking the craziest decade in comic book movies, uh, comic book shows, and comic book properties. Hard stop. The 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 medium literally changed this decade. So I wanted to talk about the moments that uh, we think. Will be forever remembered as a, a culmination of this decade. So uh, I'm going to read through mine real quick, and then we're going to read through John's, read through Amy's, and then we're going to just discuss them generally because that is this podcasty format for y'all. Sure, I've got Avengers Assemble. The moment it said Spidey coming home, as in from Sony and Marvel making that handshake. Joker clearing a billion, billion dollars. Deadpool's entire marketing campaign, Daredevil debuting on Netflix, No Man's Land and Wonder Woman, the church scene in Kingsman, The Snap in general, and Battinson cast as Batman. Ooh. Those are, I think, the big moments of the decade. Uh, many of them are recent because, frankly, things are accelerating. I yeah. think as things get bigger, yeah. it's only going to yeah. be more and more big
4: moments. John, what do you got? Uh, well, I lived it to five. I thought we were doing five. I'm a monster. Cody had extra. Uh, yeah, Cody <laughs> had extra, sorry. Uh, all right, mine is Iron Man die slash Captain America return tires of Avengers Endgame. Whoever saw that coming and the guts to pull that off, my God. Marvel TV debuts on Netflix. I think we were all blown away by the success of that first Daredevil season. Joker Crossing a billion. Absolutely. Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture cannot be overstated how incredible that was. And I think Disney, Disney officially buying Fox mm. is a massive moment from this decade that will change everything going forward. And so we'll see.
3: It is that behind-the-scenes stuff uh, is is really a fascinating way to look at this decade because I was looking up the math on this, and it was about four months before the period we're talking about when uh, uh, one very interesting day that I will always remember because uh, I was working at the comic book store as people came in sort of confused and happy and shell-shocked all day because they just found out that Disney bought Marvel? (laughs) Yeah. That was like August 2009. (laughs) This whole decade began with Disney bought Marvel and ended with Disney bought Fox. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Like, that's the actual bookends to this decade of superhero storytelling. Yeah. For better and for worse. Right. Uh, Because obviously this decade saw an incredible flowering of that storytelling. It was amazing. I was going back through – Collider has like a ranking of comic book movies and I was looking for like other weird indie ones that came out and and going back through just to remind myself. And it is – I mean the most striking impression from going through the decade is just watching it go from like three movies – to fifteen movies, yeah,
0: because yeah. uh, Ghost Rider was this decade. Yeah. the second one, the second yeah. one. But like, <laughs> it's incredible to think of what we've come from. And it's shout all,
3: out to Jonah Hex. I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs>
0: crapping on Ghost Rider, but the caliber of Ghost Rider to the caliber of Wonder Woman, like it, it's just insane what
4: we've done. I remember seeing that at a screening at a Comic Con.
0: Yeah. For
4: the second one. Oh, that's cool. And I was just like, oh, because the, there was a Q and A with the director and everything like that, and we were like. What is this madness? <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, and it showed you, like you know, not all the swings are going to connect all the time. Sure. But there was an, an <laughs> at least enough of an audience that he could take that swing, yeah. And mm. Maybe find an audience. And that was a movie. I knew the DP on that,
0: and he was talking mm. about being on roller skates like being pulled behind a car holding the camera yeah. like, and I was like oh this is peak comic book like this is as weird as it's gonna get I remember being like if they can make a ghost rider with Nick Cage and he's on roller skates we've done it and then I, little did I know like, you're looking now,
3: back at yourself yeah, from, now from, from Ragnarok Ragnarokville <laughs> going
0: oh oh that was the opening credits like yeah. it's just it's crazy the escalation yeah So this decade, I mean, I want to kick it off with, uh, well, let's start recently. Uh, Avengers Assemble is, I would say, the culmination of the decade. I'd say that moment when the portals opened up, you've got Chris Evans saying it with the entire MCU at his flanks, Mm. taking out one of the best villains in cinema history. I'm going to be hyperbolic and literal. One of the best villains in cinema history. Uh, I'd say that is the culmination of the decade in a really strong way because it showed the power of the, the... Industry, it showed that there is no budget. Like, there, it's just you make money. And right. it also showed the confidence in the filmmakers of they've held that moment off. They've not put it in the first Avenger. They didn't put it in the second one. They didn't even put it in Infinity War. They waited till the entire universe was ready for it. And I've never felt a moment of inhale like that in a theater. I've never felt everyone universally like know the importance of that moment. Right. And I feel like that's what this decade kind of represents: is all of us being like, we goddamn did it. Like this is <laughs> our time. And, it, and like that moment was on screen. It's really cool. I think, I think it's rare for pop culture to have a moment where an entire force feels like we did it, all of us, as one.
3: It really is, uh, because Endgame, I, I was thinking about this when we were doing the, the regular show this week, but, like, the bookends for, more bookends for this decade are Avengers in 2012 and Endgame in 2019. Yeah. It is, frankly, difficult to remind myself that four Avengers movies came out in across seven years. <laughs> that sounds crazy. It feels like it was 25 years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the the journey of those, like, I would say, for me, big moments, um, and re- correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you, you referenced... Corey, you referenced Joker crossing a billion as yeah, a big moment, and are, I yeah. think it's huge. Yeah, uh, but I will say one of the big like decade scope moments: Avengers crossing a billion. Yeah,
4: yeah. That
3: that was before there was like, what do you mean a billion dollars? Yeah, everyone was like, <laughs> it's a, a million
1: with a <laughs> billion. Like,
3: uh, I'm sorry, the one about <clears throat> the teaming up of the guy in the drapes guy, that one. Uh, because I I'll never get over that movie as a breakthrough moment. Mm. Uh, And so the reason it made my top five on our regular movies list is not that necessarily it's the best of the MCU movies or the best of the uh, Avengers movies even, but because... The thing it accomplished, I, I was I was there the day the impossible became possible. I sat in a theater and watched it. I talked to people I never thought I would have a conversation like this with about it. And that, like, it's going to stand out in my memory as one of the great movie-going, like, memories of my life, which is, I mean, that's what we're here to talk about, right? Well, and, and to
0: see, uh, no one had put together a series of movies together like that before, except Kevin Smith, Jay and Bob Strike Back. But no one But had really... all the Kevin <laughs> Smith
3: movies go together in right. a way that, like, <clears throat> they... Yeah. And I love them. I love them dearly. But he's not exactly like Captain America over here. Here, Iron Man over here. Thor over here. Let's do this. I would argue
0: when Holden and Banksy meet. Those are from separate <laughs> universes. Uh, not Banksy. Uh, Brody. Jesus. Banksy. You know the artist that was with Jason Lee. Uh, the but secret like,
3: Kevin Smith movie with Banksy.
0: And when Ben Affleck played three characters and they met themselves in Reboot. Like that is culmination <laughs> stuff guys. Uh, also I want to include that in this rundown. Most Kevin congratulations. You did it man. Uh, have you guys seen Reboot?
3: I haven't
0: yet. Uh, there, there is a, a beautiful moment with Ben Affleck that, like, he plays the chasing Amy Ben Affleck in a Aww. way that reflects Kevin Smith's entire career, and I was openly crying in the theater because oh no, it was, I'm it gonna was, weep. oh, I, it broke me, and I like to the point I was still messy leaving the theater. Where I was like, oh no, I'm in public, like that kind <laughs> of crying. Uh, but it's it that also felt like a culmination of that decade of like Mallrats on, like from like '97, two mm-hmm. decades. So it was really cool to have like an Avengers assemble in a reboot. Uh, but we, have we, you uh,
3: noticed? By the way, as a grown up revisiting Chasing Amy, which I haven't done in a long time, but I got reminded of some of the supporting characters in it. Because I like I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it a lot. It's just been a while since I picked it up. And I got reminded of like the like the weirdos of the comic book universe, which are now like for modern day Amy, I'm like, nah, I would hang out with all those people. Yeah, they they're make perfect so normal. sense to me and they are completely within normal bounds. Yeah. Like but- and it's just so funny, like the 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 fringe characters from that are my normal in 2019. If
0: you look at most 90s movies, and this is perfect for this episode, look at not the last decade, but the one prior, the 90s movies, all of the outcasts are people that are very successful now. Yeah, good like point. For everyone in 20 years, like James Gunn yeah. is the like king nerd of that type <laughs> person, and he's now working at DC, at Marvel, at the highest level. Yeah. Both of them. And, like, that happened in 20 years. Also, <laughs> us. The three of us are sitting in this room recording a podcast about celebrating comic book culture over a decade on purpose. Yeah. And people are listening, I assume. <laughs> I, will. I hope so. Once again, this might just be the void, but I assume you're listening, dear viewer. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to move on to the next one. Uh, John had, in the same Endgame vein, Iron Man dies, Cap retires in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> that was, yeah. to me, the arc landing from both Iron Man 1 and Cap 1 in a way that, like, I—I I,
4: the selfless, selfish whip. Like, mm-hmm. what, a, what a move. My, my big thing is always about, like, how are we moving forward? How are we taking chances? What is the footprint we're leaving? The idea of showing from 2008 to 2019 this journey of this one character, this mm. one man playing this one character and having it end and making the gutsy decision to kill off one of your main characters of your series mm. and who... Propped up your universe for so long right. and started it. I thought was incredibly bold. Mm-hmm. And other studios might have copped out and given him some kind of other way to stay alive and maybe transferred his energy into a helmet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we would have could have seen that comic
3: <laughs> books never say never.
4: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and then giving Cap this kind of like great wrap up of his entire, as also a thank you as well. Like we actually got him to have a happy ending. And so like mentally. We're done with Iron Man and Captain America. That's kind of insane that a studio would willingly stop these two characters from existing financially. It just makes (laughs) no sense. But that's how much confidence they have in their MCU moving on without these two main characters. And, of course, Scarlett Johansson as well. Black Widow passes away in that film as well. So it's just incredible. Who that,
3: should by now have been the tentpole character of a three-part franchise. It just took them some time.
4: Fair point. Absolutely. Don't worry. She gets her movie now. <laughs> that's, that's a 2021 conversation. Well, but that's it speaks volumes that the that studios aren't desperate to hold on. They're willing to keep going forward with this universe right. and because they know they're good. They've built up enough of a strength. Who knew that we would get to that point? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're also desperately trying to recast Batman all the time. Here is a studio that's maintained this thing for 12 years. It's phenomenal. For, for me that moment uh
0: the the inverse thematically was so impressive because mm-hmm. you've got Captain America who starts as this impossibly selfless character who literally dives on a bomb multiple times right. visually yeah. and he his arc is to go from selfless to selfish. He decides he's done fighting and he retires and he chooses to retire. Iron Man goes from the most selfish character literally or profiteering, to <laughs> letting himself die to save his people. So their are arcs in verse all the while, the third of the big three has a crisis of self. Yeah. Mm. So you've got Thor not knowing who he is, Cap changing who he is, Iron Man shooting who he is, inversing each other, and it all lands beautifully. And if you look at the arcs of the movies, they all switch at Civil War, which is about that exact thing happening. Right. Yeah. So not only did they all do that, but they did it with like, with a dance, with a flourish. Like They didn't just like retire. <laughs> right. them, they were like, by the way, mic drop times three. They ran out of mics.
4: And, and no offense, Marty, but- These are emotional stories in superhero (laughs) comic movies. I'm still affected. Yeah. Like, months later. These are the stories. Just because I'm not walking around in a nice suit shooting people doesn't mean I don't have a legitimate story (laughs) if I I wield a hammer or I have a uh, metal suit. like this, Humanity has always been the point of the MCU. The superhero stuff has always been they just happen to be. Mm -hmm. It's about their human struggles, human stories. That's why Civil War works so well. The battle between what Tony wants... And what Cap wants. It's that battle of like what should be done. And you can fall on either side, but that's the human battle sometimes. Who do I choose in a situation like this? Friend or new friends? Yeah. Old friend or new friends? Like mm. Those things happen all the time. Once again,
0: real. And from 20, 2008 to 2019, it's incredible the amount of story that's been told. When you were yeah. saying in seven years, four Avengers movies... And just the amount of content we, they could—they could have finished with Endgame, and we'd be talking about it forever. But they right. keep going forever, so this will be—you know—giant size 862 is going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any moment for you?
3: Uh, there's so much this year, this decade that that really watching this transformation, um, because I mean we. I remember when we did, like, running down the decades on on Heroes in the Past, Mm -hmm. and uh, part of it was, you know, Marvel didn't show up to the game for a a Mm -hmm. while. Uh, They couldn't figure out quite the right path for filmmaking. And then the really important early strides were taken at other studios. It was Blade. It was Spider-Man. It was the X-Men movies. Um, And all of that important groundwork, like, we can't talk about this stuff without acknowledging that that's where it came from. But it is truly a transformational decade in terms of, like, the 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 range and success attendant on uh that 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 wide variety of product for superhero movies uh, I think it's glorious. I hope it continues forever. You never know mm-hmm. uh, whether like film genres will come and go, and obviously we talk all the time about comic book. material is a medium, not a genre uh, but so there's room for all kinds of it. I was a little bit surprised looking at this decade. How uh, we haven't in the latter half of the decade, I feel like, had as many big screen takes on, uh, off on non-Big Two material. Mm. Like, there were a lot of sort of early attempts in this decade that I was like, I forgot they made a Losers movie. Uh, you know,
0: Very watchable.
3: The, yeah. I like the It losers. was very watchable. Yeah, very watchable. Uh, Jason
0: Patrick from The Lost Boys came back as a bad guy. I was <laughs> real happy about it. Uh-huh. Uh,
3: but I guess when you're looking at the decade as a whole, what happened there is that somebody figured out that that stuff should be going to TV.
2: Um, And so so we we
3: split it up between the big screen superhero stuff and the weirdos on TV. Uh, A moment that stands out to me from this decade would be the point where in the same fall we got both Supergirl and Jessica Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two TV shows launching that couldn't be more different. But both had fantastic female heroes with really interesting stories that got put across to major audiences uh, while doing li- paying honor to the, like, comic book source material that inspired them. Mm. Uh, I remember being like, you know, when it was once in a blue moon that we would get a story like that, you have to hold on to it fiercely. You have to be like, look, this is all we're getting for ten <laughs> years. Let me have this. Chitara's my favorite Thundercat, you know? <laughs> like, she's the only, I mean, Wily Cat and Wiley Cat. One of them's a girl. But you know what I mean. Uh, it, it's... The idea that we can get to a place where we can have lots of different stories starring lots of different types of main characters and that that, like, that getting to do that can be extended to lots of different people. Hmm. And then we'll eventually get to a point where they're like, we're making Watchmen. It stars Regina King, a fully <laughs> grown woman of color, powerhouse actor. Deal with it. And we're like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Get on
3: board or miss out on Watchmen.
0: (laughs) And I I love the amount of things that are very – one, because memory is what it is. But the amount of things that are right now because of – we're looking at a decade and so much happened this year. Like we're looking at a decade and the culmination of so much was this year. So I'm fascinated by what 2020 brings because it's all so hot right now. Like it's all like at peak nerd. Uh, But one of the things I think got us there, and this is selfish and I didn't get to talk about it on on the regular episode of Heroes this week – Deadpool's marketing. <laughs> I would argue that marketing has forever changed because of a character that I have held near and dear that's been hard to describe. And then a character that every studio said wouldn't work as a film. Everyone said wouldn't translate to audiences. Not only translated, but changed how movies were advertised. They literally just gave Ryan Reynolds a suit and were like, go. And he won every Ace Award. He won every editing and, and, and marketing award. And he stayed truer to the character in those commercials that were 30 seconds or a minute than a lot of the comics do. Mm. Like To me, they found a tone that was able to be bite-sized. They realized that Deadpool could be a meme of memes. (laughs) They realized that 20... 17 was a time that we needed self-awareness and needed the levity that needed all these things that, like, there's an Australia Day commercial that is him in a ridiculous hat that's better than most comic books uh, (laughs) about getting the tone of Deadpool. And it was really cool that they leaned into the chimichanga. They leaned into all those things, but it never felt like it was sacrificing the integrity of the character. Mm -hmm. And I'm big on marketing because Age of Ultron, was ruined for me because I saw the entire movie in trailers. Mm-hmm. By the time I watched Age of Ultron, I was like, oh, let me put the scenes together that I haven't seen already. Yeah. And then the Deadpool marketing, I was like, oh, they can do this because we didn't see many scenes because they didn't need to. They let Ryan make stuff up that wasn't in the movie and sold us. And then it's, it's one of the top four to this day, highest R-rated grosses of all time because I think largely because of that marketing campaign. So we got to experience a movie anew. So I'd like in 2020 onward for them to play with that idea of if the character's right, like make new scenes for the movie. Do what the Russo brothers did. Like, make scene, if you've got unlimited money, put scenes in the trailers that aren't in the movie. Because yeah. it gives us opportunities to, as comic fans, not know what's coming and to experience things anew. So I think the Deadpool marketing campaign is one of the most important things in all of film uh, of the decade.
4: Certainly expanded it. The idea that you could do a, a shit emojis and all this kind of <laughs> – on billboards. Like, you're like, what is this all about? And it's such a gutsy decision because um, – It could have blown up in their faces (laughs) completely. It could have failed so miserably. Accusations could have gone left and right on this whole situation.
3: People would have been like, I don't know, you didn't show me what the movie was going to be like, so nobody came. Those romance
4: billboards? Remember the Nicholas Sparks billboards? What was it?
0: The Nicholas Sparks billboards where it was him and Marina Backer, and they were like, this of Valenstein's day, a love story like
4: none before. And that's not lying. right? There
0: was literally Nicholas Sparks-esque. Yeah, tons of them.
4: That's why I think this new guy whatever he's doing now, that's Deadpool 3. It's not. Which new guy? The the new Ryan Reynolds uh, trailer and uh, poster for that that's... Oh yeah, yeah. I I,
0: I Wait, think.
3: Tell me what it is because I'm missing this. I thing.
0: think between now and when we come back from the break, there's going to be Deadpool news. Mm. I, I would put.
4: I think that thing and is Koi's
0: Deadpool. I think this I think it's the, past the beginning. For the I think yeah, yeah. I think
4: that's the beginning of the onslaught we're about to get. Right, because no one had heard about this movie and Ryan Reynolds working on this movie, and then you see a trailer and a poster. <laughs> i is is like, the
3: like tweet i keep not clicking on that says they gave us ryan reynolds and i'm like i'll look that up later yes <laughs> sorry i might be missing out on the viral marketing for it, something really
4: there you go and you go like and i'm like nobody's heard of this movie <laughs> we all work in this industry yeah nobody's heard what of this. Are you talking about what are you talking so about so Ryan Reynolds,
0: not a small star right, right. He like an right. Film. and he's in khakis
4: and tucked in blue shirts no no and if that's that if that's new marketing for deadpool 3 once again Brilliant. So it just gets you on board. I thought it, the inventive nature of it all, you have to say, no, you know, You got to be smart with marketing, right? you got to know how to capture the, the as many people as possible. The pop culture zeitgeist or the mainstream audience to try to get people interested in it, they struck all the right chords. Like I said, what could have blown up in their face, they struck all the right chords, and people came in droves and loved it, and it was, in a, it was another part of why the film was so successful. hmm
0: Uh, now the reason I included Joker and I'm curious why you did Mm. of the billion is uh, after the follies uh, box office wise they had in a row for me it was the oh we can take an entirely new direction Mm. so as I I love Shazam and it was a really special film but it didn't do gangbusters in box office it did well for its budget but it didn't Change the landscape. For me, Joker cost 12 cents and it made a billion dollars. It's truly that's
3: a, wild. So yeah.
0: so it's not about the billion, it's about what that might mean for DC going forward. To me, that's a symbol of Elseworlds. To me, that's a symbol of isolated stories. To me, that's a symbol of they might not try to do a shared Justice League as soon as they might have, or they might try to do Elseworlds simultaneously with mm-hmm. their shared universe, mm-hmm. and that's all because of that billion. Once you hit that B, that's a different conversation. So to me, that's more of they're ending the decade with a billion-dollar indie film. What does that mean for them going going forward and that's that's why i think it's an interesting thing for the decade because they had a bunch of movies this year that didn't do what they wanted them to and then the one they didn't trust did yeah yeah. it is a
3: a really interesting way to start out this next decade like a a a truly even folks who thought joker would do well i don't think anybody thought it would do this well like i mean i i think that to start to go into the next decade with a a really unexpected like well, that worked impossibly well. <laughs> if you look back to the last decade, we we had like 2008, that that gangbusters year of mm-hmm. Dark Knight and uh, Iron Man. Like, there, Iron Man did presage the decade to come by being like, here's what can happen with an out there casting choice and faith in your material and just really excellent people working on it. It can deliver a surprise. Mm. Um, and so, I do wonder, like, does Joker have that kind of meaning for the decade going forward? What Message can actually be taken from. We talked a lot about like what's it going to mean for the future. Is it going to mean more like serious adult tone things? Is it going to be more standalones? Is it going to mean people will only show up for things attached to Batman? Is it going to mean <laughs> like it, you know it's hard to predict what that success actually tells us. I would like it to say take chances on the unexpected approach. Trust that a movie without a lot of action might still reach a ton of people. You know it, it but I don't know. It might just mean people really like murder. You know, it's... <laughs> Like Kick-Ass was like a really peppy, people like murder movie, and a great like it worked really well. Nothing against it. I just don't know yet. This is me capturing in the early days of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, me being like, I'm not sure what that means for the future. It probably means something because that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I'd yeah. like more talkies. Like I'd like more, uh, you know, drama Sounded comic movies. Book films. What a great idea! You know, you know what I mean? They could
3: even have musicals. Oh my
0: goodness! The score of Joker. But <laughs> but, uh, but I I'd like to see more comic book films that deal with like you know I he's he's. Is a very polarizing figure, but I'd like to see some Tom King-esque. To mm. Like, he talks a lot. Mm. There's not as much action in his Batman as a lot of writers. Yeah. I would like to see more superhero films get the drama take like Joker was. That would, that would be a great way to go. I would rather that than everything have to be dark and gritty. Because we suffered through the 90s in comic books because <laughs> everybody thought dark and gritty was the move. Yeah. Don't put nope. everyone in leather because
4: the X-Men movies did it, for Ugh. God's sake. John, what
3: do you think the lesson <laughs> of Joker
4: is? I think for me it was the fact that one, uh, this is a film that... Um, It finally answered the critique, again, that I brought up earlier, this idea of, oh, these comic book movies, they can't be arty. They can't have art with them, right? Now, you can defend comic book movies without the Joker. You really can. Sure. This makes it impossible (laughs) to make that argument ever again because it showed you that there's a market for this kind of movie, this independent art house film About a comic book villain Mm. made a billion (laughs) dollars, which means people went to see it over and over again across the world. So that tells you that no matter what the older directors are saying, look, uh, nobody loves them better than I do. No matter what they're saying, it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. because the audience is there. The audience is there for the massive tentpole event that is Endgame. The audience is there for the more character quiet piece. And if you cast the right person, tell the great story. People will come. And if you directed the way Todd Phillips directed it, which is essentially directing, in my opinion, a comic book masterpiece, but a film that could be a masterpiece down the road that will be shown on TCM, and guaranteed will be shown on TCM as something to be respected and lauded going forward, that shows you that – the other, that shows you – that can show other directors that have maybe been hesitant or not sure that there is a possibility for you to work on a superhero movie – And have it be something completely uh, in your wheelhouse and in your taste and your style as a director. I would love to have seen Francis Ford Coppola's Batman. Hmm. Or Francis Ford Coppola's Superman. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's Batman almost happened. And I feel like
0: now it would have. Like Joker is the gateway to Aronofsky's Batman.
4: And that's what I'm saying. It opens the door for other directors to step in and do what they want to do. Look, Patty Jenkins did Monster. Wonder Woman is great. I want to see Patty do J- Jenkins do some monster-type thing with yeah. some other, like, you know, superhero. I want to see that. How many of these gritty – look, I want to see Bong Joon-ho do something like Parasite with a superhero. Mm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Now the door is open. With Todd Phillips doing this, in my opinion, and making the money made, the door is open yeah. if they want to do it. Give me David Fincher's Hellblazer.
3: It's the, uh, oh, right? my God. you
0: Moon Knight. Can you,
4: oh, either one. Actually, yeah.
0: Moon Knight's more as wheel ass. Yeah. Like a zodiac ass Moon Knight? Yes. Like something in that, ooh, a true I, I, crime. Like, I, want,
3: I want you to be right, John. I want yeah. that to be what happens as the result of this. Sure. I want it to kick down the door. Uh, Like, I think that, like you say, you can defend this trend and see it happening even without the Joker, but, like, it does not hurt to have the money be there. Yeah. Um, You can see Taika being like, here's what I think would be fun in a Thor movie. Let's do that. Yeah. You can... Uh, it's so you can see these directions happening, but we all win if people feel more able to make personal art in these things. Whether or not I think the Joker was like a perfect example of it, right. I'm I'm I want it to inspire a bunch of people to be like, I want to do my version of that.
0: Yeah, I feel like Blade, for its time, was the thing that that this era is doing now. Like Blade allowed for X Men and for Spider Man and for all those things, but now in the modern sense, in this decade, I feel like yeah. Deadpool painted the door a la Looney Tunes and then (laughs) then Logan creaked the door open and then the thing that swung the door open was Black Panther but then the Joker pushed the door closed and kicked it down Mm. like I feel like those were the steps that got us here so I think Deadpool Logan, Black Panther and Joker are the the inarguable things Mm. that will have people like no no look over here right? because they're all so different those four movies are nothing alike
4: and Mm. if this thing gets nominated for Best Picture Mm. it's the second year in a row where a superhero film gets nominated for Best Picture if this thing wins all bets are off. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be funny, Amy, what you said here? I'd like this to happen. I'd like this film to inspire mm-hmm. these directors coming. Instead of inspiring incels, it inspires actual and art. art. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so the something? other side? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll take
0: it inspiring art because it is art, and that is what art should right. do. Now, this year, my next category I wanted to go through, I got so I got this superhero movie highs and lows, and the way I captioned it was from Avengers to Endgame, from BVS to Birds of Prey trailer, and from Kick Ass to the Kitchen. So basically these are the things I see happening. You've got your uh, your Marvel side going from can they have them team up to oh you bet. You have your you have your trailer are going like do we want a be too? they made a birds of prey movie <laughs> and then you've got your how did they make a movie with nick Cage as batman and a new mm. young up-and-coming guy as a hero that actually is in the real world too wait they made a true crime drama with a bunch of awesome women from an indie comic like to me that's <laughs> that's where we are so uh i want to just broad strokes what were some of the highs and lows not like favorite movies but like what are some of the moments you you really rep- appreciated movies doing this year
3: uh, this decade?
0: Yeah, sorry, this decade, yeah. I am
3: going to steer the conversation to what I'm sure is on everyone's mind uh, because we didn't really get to go into it on the regular show and talk about Scott Pilgrim.
0: Let's do right, it. Do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I agree. Let's do it.
3: I dragged like seven people to the theater to see Scott Pilgrim, which means that we were like 15% of the entire opening <laughs> weekend audience of Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which was made in 2010. Yeah. Uh, based on the, I, I believe they, the last volume came out like right after that or right before that. It was right as, the, as Brian Lee O'Malley was concluding his series of uh, graphic novels for Oni Press uh, about... You know, just some guy in Toronto who has a band with his friends and really likes video games, and he's impossible to describe, and... Started off this decade basically for me, so much ahead of its time mm. in terms of like for a decade that would get have Thor Ragnarok at the other end of it to start with the glorious committed weirdness of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, willing to be stylized, willing to depart from reality when it serves the broader story that you are telling. Uh, just really out there filming Choices, incredible soundtrack, a truly uh, spectacular cast, which has become now the, the very fun, like, Scott program-spotting game of seeing the alums of that movie go of everywhere in every movie and every medium. Uh, and, of course, it did not do well. People <laughs> didn't understand what they were looking at. When we're talking about marketing, how to try to sell people on something that they don't understand, this is an example of, like, it, you know, you can make infinite guesses about why something doesn't hit. It, it went up the same opening weekend as Expendables, so anyone who didn't know what they were seeing that weekend went for the thing they understood. Mm. You know, or people were just like, "I'm over Michael Sarah and I've been instructed that this is the only thing that's in this movie." It, there's a million backseat quarterback arguments you can make for why that one did not immediately reach a ton of people. But the people it did reach, it became such a wonderful memory for. Uh, and what I want is that like, by the end of the decade, the weird shit could also make money. Mm-hmm. And I would like that to be the kind of transformation that can go forward into the future. And the truth is we had weirdo comic book movies before this. We had Ghost World. Mm-hmm. We had uh, a, a, a lots of interesting landmark moments leading up to this. But the fact that Scott Pilgrim was committed to its weirdness in a way that didn't take anything away from being sheer and fun. Uh, that it was just like, and there are video game tropes throughout this because that's just the way they see the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can put that art in the service of something as apparently frivolous as that, and have it contribute to an artistic impression that's more than the sum of its parts. Anyway, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I would say if Scott Pilgrim came out five years later, it'd be gangbusters. Yeah. I would say if it came out later in the decade that we've lived through, like yeah. uh, for me, Crossbones was the first moment where I was like, oh, you can make a comic movie? When they just had Crossbones <laughs> look like that when he was like a modern Power Ranger villain. Uh, yeah. and, and it was and it worked. It worked for the narrative. And I think Scott Pilgrim, if it came out a little later, after more of the mm. Marvel stuff, after more of the DC stuff, it might have done better for, for everyone. Uh, and because- of course,
3: it reminds us of the roads not taken this decade because mm-hmm. it did not lead to Edgar Wright doing a major Marvel movie, as yeah. we thought for a while that it was going to yeah.
0: and we had to have dark world before we got to ragnarok <laughs> you know and I, yeah. and I think that's an important thing about this decade ragnarok and and dark world
4: were both this decade yeah which yeah. is crazy uh and i remember uh, being a, uh at comic-con when they announced a special screening of pilgrim scott mm. Pilgr- went with all our friends who were down there the theater was full mm. and that movie killed killed for us killed yeah all of us Right for us, Definitely. the Comic Con audience. We walk out and we're just taking bets on how much this is going to make. Sixty million opening weekend. Oh, no, that's totally going to happen. No problem. Blah blah blah. Could even make five. Could even make two hundred fifty million. million down the road, globally, and it sank like a stone. And yeah. all of us were like, "What happened?" Mm-hmm. And because we have we enjoyed the film so much, we didn't understand what had happened. But you're probably right. Maybe five years later, it knocks it out the park. The public's uh, perception has changed. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's ten years ago. I didn't even think about doing this as a career. And mm-hmm. here I am 10 years later talking about it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience from having sat at Comic-Con and watched that film and being unsure as to why it didn't succeed the way it should have. Uh, I think that's the same year as First Avenger. Am I wrong on that or no? Uh, what year close. is
3: close. It was 2010 and First Avenger might.
4: I think it's the same year. Yeah. 20... So both those screenings were that same Comic-Con. Mm. And, I remember, wow. and I remember the Captain America one being barely half full. Wow. And yet the Pilgrim was standing remote. We were in the balcony. That's crazy. It was crazy. They walked us all over from... The uh, uh from the panel they walked us all over to the theater to watch
3: it. Oh, I'm so jealous. I was not like I was at work and couldn't go to the day of Comic-Con that that uh, screening happened on And I was like, I hear they showed the movie. I hear the band was there. <laughs> <laughs> the band
0: was there. <sighs> uh, yeah. Amy's still never been in Hall H and frankly, <laughs> what? frankly, oh this year is the year I kidnap Amy and just like she just is in Hall H. What? I used to just no take the train back and
3: forth to work during Comic-Con. I would wow. go whichever days I could get covered.
0: Wow. <laughs> Whatever your obligations are you're skipping some because you're going to hollow of Fame. Yeah, you gotta Even if go it's to Hall of Fame. I'm gonna the...
3: get there and they're gonna be like, this is the year it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody
0: can. You need to set foot in hollow ground. <laughs> no wonder you got in. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Son- <laughs> Sunday at 7 p.m. No one's in there. But Amy's to be in there. Okay,
3: if we're talking about the decade, can we talk about Comic-Con? Yeah, yeah. Now, the granted, change. We Woo. are local-ish to San Diego, yes. so that's mm-hmm. a different experience. But this is the decade that Comic-Con went from selling out for like the first time in I wanna say two thousand nine ish. Like whatever there was there was in recent memory a first year that Comic Con tickets sold out, yeah. followed immediately by Comic Con tickets will sell out <laughs> instance after they are available. Yeah. And like this this just tipping point, uh that that of, of Comic Con getting bigger and bigger and bigger and to be like So big now that it is spreading out and dispersing to other cons and going to Brazil and going to New York and turning into something new and having all these satellite conventions that are getting huge in themselves. Mm. Does that speak to what has happened with the cultural presence of these movies? What does it speak to?
0: I think the movies bring people to the comics more than they get credit for. Yeah. I honestly think that the, it is more of an Ouroboros. It's not linear. It's not like this made a billion, these comics are going to sell a billion like by any means. But I do think for every 100 people that see a comic movie, four or five are going to pick up some comics. Mm. And if you make a billion dollars, that four or five means that's four or 500. That's a lot of people. <laughs> and those are going to go to Comic-Con. Mm. So I do think uh, a rising tide lifts all ships, as mad as people are that like it's a sellout thing and that Disney has Marvel and all these things, I think it benefits everyone. And I don't know about you guys, but this WonderCon and this comic I thought were a lot more comic than 2018. Yes,
4: the movie <laughs> stuff is starting to dissipate more yeah. and more on the TV show. They, that's when I started going, 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. when I started going for the first time. My friend Mike, who, works, who at the time was working at Hasbro, he would get a suite from Hasbro and six of us would sleep in there so we wouldn't have to pay, <laughs> yeah. and we'd get badges. Mm-hmm. So there was never that fear of how much money we were spending, right? right. Uh, so that helps. Th- yeah, oh, <laughs> totally. I was very privileged, and we got into Hall H every year. Oh. Very uh-huh. privileged, and so doing all that kind of stuff. But then Twilight happened, and then Potter happened, and it was like impossible. Yeah. Impossible. It was madness. I remember sitting in line one time, Uh, It was a mile and a half line to Hall H. (laughs) And you would have to get in line on Friday Mm -hmm. or Thursday to get in on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It was madness. But that's how it was. Now the last couple of years, three years, it's dissipating. It's going back down because I think people – had the fill of it, and I think now the hardcores are left, and the hardcores will always come back. And I love that Comic-Con is changing to embrace more of the comic book stuff, embrace less of the TV and film stuff. And studios themselves are, are seeing that there isn't that much of a um, bounce up, bounce up <laughs> from going to Comic-Con for their product because there is multiple ways to make people aware of your films uh, that don't involve going to Comic-Con. It's a but it's l- funny
3: because it's partly... there. That message is getting out there via channels that got established for like people who couldn't get yes. to Comic-Con checking what was going on yes. at Comic-Con. And once we all had the like, look for the new things... I mean, it's probably distorting my view of this that I literally am here at Collider doing this kind of thing. <laughs> but it, it makes sense that... Once you had everybody understanding how it kind of works, which there'll be a new trailer and then we'll all share it with each other and blah 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 and we'll discuss it on a very yeah. social media which this is also the decade of transformative social media. True. Mm-hmm. Uh you you have a new pattern for getting that information out there and you don't necessarily have to be there because we invented internet.
0: Right? Yeah, the internet changed Comic Con while the boom was happening mm-hmm. and now because of the internet, there's less need to physically have boots on the ground and also privacy has changed, like the trailers that are Comic Con exclusives yeah. even Brazil this year, there's footage we haven't seen in the space, like we're in the comic book film space, right. we haven't seen it, so I, I'm curious what happens in the next five years with the studios backing away a little bit because as the studios are less and less there, more and more comic book properties. Exist right. so I could see Comic Con now that there's five comic movies a year, ten shows minimum around the time of Comic-Con. Comic-Con could be
4: about comics again in the next five years. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's the way it feels like it's going. That's, and 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 good. Yeah. It should be because. It's right there in the name. Just like an elevated, <laughs> <Well>, true, <laughs> very good point, just like an elevated films and television awareness, it can elevate comic book awareness, which was its essential beginning. Yeah. And this but is the truth what's is, important. And I, I
3: mean, I, I will say like, it has always been both. It's why we mm. all love to share those pictures of like that crappy little table with this like, yeah. let's see our movie, Star Wars. Yeah. It's coming out next year. You haven't heard of it. I hope you're excited. Like that's the exact vibe of those 1976 <laughs> Comic Con photos point. of like whatever font that is on the table hanging. Yeah. Um, because it's always been both. Because mm-hmm. nerds have always been like, I, I, you know, back then they used to fight over whether anything that wasn't a book counted as sci-fi. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the fights continue. They just look different. And you
0: know what never happened? We never had like Meryl Streep and Hall H. Like we had some things that were you know, like mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson was never like I'm going to promote my new. Daniel Day-Lewis film like right. it didn't get as bad as people claimed that it was like all oh, movies oh, are down I took there I a I'm different
3: like, thing where I'm like yeah I want to see Meryl Streep
0: in college <laughs> no but like put when, her in a movie when already. Tom Cruise was there this last year I was like yeah because Top Gun's in San Diego thank you like to me that was the closest we got to like that isn't a genre film that is a true on action film that is mm. that is like dad movie so that to me I was like alright at least Twilight was genre like that was my yeah. one but then I was like but it's based in San Diego and Tom Cruise is great welcome welcome Tom <laughs> so like there is a line and I think for me the line is like. Prestige films that make fun of our films, like if Scorsese talked all of his shit this year and then came next year and he was like, "Yeah, I got Raging Bull seven. We're playing it in Hall H." He'd be like, you know what, Marty, you're not welcome here. <laughs> you would
3: be, are you kidding? Oh, I would. We would lose it.
0: I would. It I would, would be amazing. Him and Frankie Coppola, not welcome in my house. Well, I would After say Frankie one, Coppola. That's for They sure. said some stuff that's irrefutable, <laughs> but like I think that genre film has always been a part of it. I agree, but I do think it's turning back towards comic leaning right. the last three mm-hmm, years, as mm-hmm. we've said, and I do think well, I think we'll also see in the next decade a lot more of the medium ones get big and. Go back to, to yeah. Medium. Right. yeah,
4: Like WonderCon got huge. Em- Emerald uh, Con is an Emerald yeah. City Comic Con. That's Animal another Comic Con. Yeah.
3: New York Comic Con. Yep. Uh, WonderCon. Dragon
0: Con for cosplay. Dragon is Con. Giant.
4: Right. Right. <laughs>
0: so I think it's great that there's so many options and it's not fair to people that are geologically trapped in a certain area like it's cool that it's more worldwide it's cool that it's more like even across the nation there are more pockets that are worth going to Mm -hmm. and I love seeing uh, comic book people treated like celebrities this year I love seeing people like swarm Frank Miller and Tom King I hope they're safe (laughs) but it was cool to see like the excitement (laughs) Uh, so from the real world back to TV uh, we covered movies and stuff a lot but on television I wrote down from Daredevil to the cancellation of Marvel TV from (laughs) Gotham to Crisis and misfires and pilots up to the Umbrella Academy, because mm-hmm. there are many pilots that didn't go this year, and Umbrella Academy is one of those. How does it exist? Uh, I'd say that as a pilot that I don't know how it got signed off on. I'm real happy it did. Yeah. But Swamp Thing got canceled mid-season, and Umbrella Academy got a season two. Did I like? If you told me that five years ago, what? <laughs> like that's insane. We had a Wonder Woman show not go this season, and then we had a Wonder Woman movie do Gangbusters. Like if you look at the decade, decade it's yeah. a crazy. The season of 2010. Um, so I I think uh, one of the big wins of the decade for TV has been, we've built up to crisis. We went from mm. the Arrowverse launching to a crossover that yeah. is that big. Yeah. And that all happened recently.
4: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, and it's incredible. They keep a, It's almost like a pseudo-Avengers. They keep adding more and more people, and they keep making it work. Yeah. yeah. I've certainly enjoyed the first three episodes of the current crossover. That's been fun. Yeah. Even if I haven't kept up on all the TV shows... Yeah. The characters get explained just enough for me to latch on and understand they're what's like.
3: Happening. Here's what you need. Go, go. Like, yeah, when, exactly. when
0: Hellblazer and Lucifer were talking, I was like, uh, I know this is important because of the comic, but who are they in the? And like, <laughs> no. it was just enough. Like yeah. I agree.
3: You're like you these the charismatic people. They uh, they may not trust each other. Let's go. Uh. <laughs> that
0: guy looks and sounds just like John Constantine.
3: Oh, is John Constantine?
4: <laughs> <laughs> what's and that's what's great about how the fandom is spread. Is how the fandom has like. There's so much for uh, fans. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Do I want to watch an hour Arden film, dance film? I'll go to Joker. Do I want to watch a big event film? I'll go to a event game. Do I want to sit home and watch Mature? I'll watch The Boys. Yeah. Do I want to sit home and remember what it was like to watch the old school superhero comic book TV shows? I'm going to watch Crossover. It's mm-hmm. that kind of vibe to it that I really enjoy. It never. It always... It never takes itself seriously, but it respects the material, Yeah, and that's important. And with that CW verse and that Arrow verse, I love it. Do they tackle tough issues? It takes itself
3: seriously in the right way.
4: Yes, exactly. Exactly. They they tackle tough issues, but they don't overwhelm you with it, and they find a way to find the positive no matter what's happening. And that's what you wanted from old-school superhero TV was to feel like there is a possibility. The world can get better, and Mm. that's always what you walk away from Mm -hmm. the CW feeling
3: and they they trojan horse in a lot of other different content by basically in in whatever 2013 being like we're going to start a show it's green arrow that is not a sure bet right by anyone's yeah. life he's going to be pretty Batmany they wouldn't let him say green arrow in. for a while yeah. they, they didn't
0: yeah. trust it in arrow. universe yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: and they like they slowly like they got in and then the soldier started crawling out of the horse and the whole game was up uh because <laughs> flash came in and was like we're going to actually try a sincere happy take which in, a, in the television environment, in the pop culture environment of mid this decade was risky. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to be earnest. Are people going to show up? Yeah. That was a huge question mark and like much credit to Grant Gustin, it worked. Yeah. Uh, also to his incredible supporting cast. Uh, who <laughs> it's one of the best just, team I mean, casts. Ridiculous. Like, True. They, they all
0: got powers for a reason. They all earned them. <laughs> that cast is great. <laughs> he
3: has three dads and I love all of them. Uh, but the, so they did a really interesting stuff on that show. Show. They took on those with those shows. They've taken big swings. They do keep adding more to it, and they have reinvented the annual crossover in a way that nobody outside of comics has ever gotten to enjoy like the fact that millions of ordinary tv watchers are sort of like time for the annual crossover would have been unimaginable to us brandon routh
0: continued a story from the movies (laughs) he played christopher reeve as kingdom come superman and it's all canon because of everything that led to this and i will say like
3: coy you are absolutely right about the way that you don't always see it immediately next day somebody rolls into a comic book store but you can absolutely see the awareness changes Because of a lot, especially of this TV stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, beginning of this decade to Mm -hmm. end of this decade, just a straw poll of people walking through the door being like, who's a Flash stand? Night and day. Yeah. Like, absolutely night and day. It changed the way back issues moved. It changed which collections people were looking at. It changed, like... I they it just went from a like well obviously he is a it's not like there was ever a time where Flash was not a beloved character mm. but he was niche in a way that now he is mainstream.
0: You know what I'm just putting together you and I often talk about how we're very different but we have a lot of the same beliefs but mm. like the way we see the world is very different mm. and I love that we do a show. I just put together you have the inside scoop because of a literal store where you can see people talking about it and <laughs> I am friends with like workout bros and sports people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I see the like hyper machismo like Thanos bro, and you're like, ah, the Flash is rising in popularity. Like, we see the opposite Well, you and I both see the Venom Boys. Yeah, oh, and and (laughs) the Venom Boys. But the fact that, like, we see those different worlds, and then you're a generation right before us, so your entire perspective is from a different group of people. You're not that much older than us. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. No, but, like, I'd say the five-year pop culture generation, it changes every five years, not every ten. I'd say it changes like this. So, your worldview, and then, like, your more niche stuff, and my more, like, Broadstoke. I'm from Boston, bros. Like, (laughs) it's a very different thing. But
4: all of those have been changed so much, in the the last ten years. Well, look, none of us thought this was possible. No, us growing up, like ever from, from my generation, like what's this was, even happening? No, no, it was like God. We got a TV show, great. Like the <laughs> idea that you could like, but I'm one of those that stuck around, right? A lot of people from my generation probably moved on and did their thing, but I stuck around, and by chance and happiness, I'm able to enjoy this entire decade and see the stuff that I used to read come to life. Yeah, you know, in ways, and then I was in my twenties. And thirty still collecting comic books and still believing in those stories before stuff blew up, right. and so just it was great to see it happening so much so, and like the stories that you that your friends used to or that people used to make fun of you about for having or reading or putting in your backpack or mm-hmm. sneaking off to go and catch get that stack out of the yeah. folder, you know. Um, now you can say. I was right all along. I knew this shit <laughs> and now they're asking material you. and potential. Now, now they're like, hey, yeah. what's
0: the original issue for right. blah, blah, blah? How right. did that happen in the comics? Yeah. Oh, now you want to know? Now you want to know? But <laughs> where are all
4: the people that are like, please come sit in the club? Yeah, yeah right. Like, the clubhouse is over here. Yeah. It's got Th- comics. That's how I started. In the back house of a comic book shop <laughs> yeah. with a bunch of guys who were way too older than me yeah. <laughs> sitting there as a 14 to 15-year-old quietly reading comics. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best. With all the other stacks around you. Yeah, My mom didn't know where I went, but I learned to drive at 15, <laughs> so I drive myself to the comic book <laughs> shop. I would sit on the stool with, like, six, seven other dudes. I
3: bet she knew. I bet she was like, they'll call me if he's in trouble.
4: Yeah, right, probably. (laughs) Six or seven other dudes just reading stacks of comic books and not saying a word to each other. (laughs) It was the best. But it was that shared communal thing, right? And now we're doing it in theaters. And now we're doing it on these programs. Now we're doing it. Uh, when we're texting each other, watching the shows on TV in our houses, yeah. it's all happening in a communal nature. That's why I think superhero films are so great because they allow us to experience that again communally, and we don't have to say a word to each other. And, and yeah, we have. all get it. Yeah. And and like twenty
0: years ago, in this time frame, uh, when I when I was. Trying to make it acceptable for others. Like when I was trying to explain why it was right, cool. Right, Before the wave we've had the last two decades, uh, I remember there was, a, there was a flood at my comic store. Uh, the Merrimack flooded. And my comic store was in the basement. So Larry's comics oh. completely went oh. underwater. And I I went to go help him excavate the the, the dead comics and the dead toys and everything. So we were actually swimming into the basement, like swimming, pulling out stuff while... Because it's Boston, so it's actually underground. That will never... You can't bail that out. So we had to physically, for the insurance, go down and pull out the... like. Literally swimming. And I was pulling out comics, and this is in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is uh, the crack capital of the world for 30 years. Very proud of that. Uh, So there were literal flop houses and halfway houses and all that in the area. And I remember actual people like trying to put their lives together, walking by and seeing comics and trying to explain why Hawkeye was cool and not Mm. this dude in a purple silly hat and Mm. all these things. And now those same people, when I go back to Lowell, I see people wearing Avenger shirts in the same neighborhood. Mm. And it's so beautiful to see people going from like, I actually can't understand that on the streets to like yeah Avengers are great yeah. and that all happened very recently and this yeah. decade really made that a permanent thing
4: or have them say I was always an Avengers fan yeah, exactly. what are you talking about <laughs> I've got a Hawkeye right. tattoo what are you talking about <laughs> Well,
3: and obviously like a lot of important steps happened before this we had like the, the DC animated universe yeah. was laying groundwork X-Men, with, Spider-Man, yeah, Blade Batman. so much stuff like, yeah. Batman
4: animated series that was the one that I would, mean that
3: yeah, I, I I fully agree. I On the TV front, transformatively, I, it really struck me when I was trying to look back and, and make lists for this decade. Um, I think we have to talk about Walking Dead. Yeah. We have to talk about the before and after of an independent black and white zombie
1: <laughs>
3: becoming a ratings juggernaut. Yeah. Like, I know that in this day, like, it, there's not a revolution every time there's a new episode of Walking Dead out. It's a couple of different shows. I think they're still doing well. But, like... To truly, like, experience the before and after of that, the way it really, like, I I mean, it had to be one of the first examples of, like, people will show up for this weird off-kilter comic with specific source material (laughs) uh, that was, like, it was an unlikely hit in comics first and an even more unlikely hit on TV. Mm -hmm. And I would argue, probably, that Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be getting The Preacher and The Boys and and Watchmen and all this stuff without it being, like, AMC got on the map by being, like, look, That weird thing over there, it's got really strong serialized storytelling hooks. That's what we do. Maybe we can make something happen. Yeah. And now we live in this age of, like, nearly every indie comic is getting... uh, Optioned for something, which I hope we get to see. Mm-hmm. Netflix, obviously, they might have hit on this model eventually, anyway, because they needed offbeat material. Right. Um, like maybe Netflix is lock and key and Sandman. Maybe they were always going to come, but maybe Walking Dead really made this happen. I
0: think Walking Dead was definitely the like, kindling that led to the light that is the, all of this stuff. Like I think it was the foundation that I mean that was 2010, like you said. Like I can't believe that was 10 years ago, but it <laughs> yeah. really like yeah. that has all been right now. And I I don't know what. Could possibly escalate from here, and that's what intrigues me so much. Is when we're talking about all the recent things like Joker's availability, Walking Dead being at the like where it is, like all these things. Like I can't imagine more, but that's what's coming.
4: Yeah, and we look. This is a decade thing, right? Um, You can go all the way back. People were obsessed with Mash. Mm -hmm. People are obsessed with Dallas. People are obsessed with Friends or Seinfeld in the nineties. Then you go into Sopranos, The Wire. And here we go into Walking Dead. These are the these are the things, Game of Thrones. These are the things, but Walking Dead is the is superhero comic book show. And I remember being at the first Comic-Con that they were previewing it. Mm-hmm. My friend Michael, who's one of the geek buddies that I do that show with, Michael Vogel, he is friends with Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. Kirkman sits in the back of the hall. Or back of the room, rather, while other people are talking about the creators. And, and Robert sits down with us. And Michael, and I'm next to Robert Kirkman. And he is talking about it. He's like, do you think it's really going to, do you think people are going to really come want to watch this show? <laughs> and I'm just like, I remember that conversation going like, because I didn't know, Amy, that it was, I didn't know about it. So You're, when You that, and
3: most of the work. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, fair,
4: fair. I didn't know that it was a, it, like, it had no business working in the comic books. No. I didn't know that. So when he's expressing concern whether it's going to work or not. Um, I I had no context for that because I'm like they're making it. You should be happy that and so to see what it became was mind blowing. And I went after I saw the first episode. I remember because they screened that. I remember that I went and just bought the stack of hardbacks.
3: Which, again, you and a lot of people in the world, which is part of how, yeah. as Corey, you referenced, like, that is inform- it has informed a lot of my view of this decade that like just watching yeah. people it does who happen. were completely new come yeah. in to be like, I I hear Walking Dead is a comic, and come back for Volume 2 the next mm-hmm. day. Right. Like I saw it so many times. It was th-
4: my budget for that year. I, I was going to buy shirts and others. You no, know, <laughs> I just bought the stack of them, and I was like, I guess I'm done on a Friday. <laughs> and, I just, and, and just enjoy the comic for the rest of the time. But and, it was worth it. They're great. And the people that want to learn and the people that think... And that I want to spend 10
0: minutes on a comics, but the people that want to learn about comics are out there, and the more exposure these movies and TV shows get, the more those people feel comfortable doing it. Comic books are not the scary thing in the basement that they were considered 10 years ago. Yeah. Comic books in 2019, Art in 2009, like, i got to find this weird niche thing. No, no. Walmart's got those exclusive. Barnes & Noble carries comics. Comic book stores has everything you need, especially House of Secrets in Burbank, California. <laughs> and I really think that you can find a lot of what you're looking for in any in any genre within the comic book medium, because there's something for everyone and speaking of that, this decade has been incredible for indie books mm-hmm. and has been incredible for the big two. It has been so good, I think, for bringing comic books back from the depths of, oh, no, we're canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, when, the, when it was turning the millennium, going into 2000, Marvel was selling off properties to keep their lights on. Ultimate Spider-Man was written on freaking like, giant stacks of paperwork because they didn't have desks anymore. Bendis <laughs> was talking about how they couldn't keep the lights on, and him yeah. and Bagley were like, let's make three issues. And then Ultimate Spider-Man ignited the MCU. Like, this all happened... Only the decade before this decade. So in 2000, 2010, we almost lost giant publishers. And then 2010 to now, they've been taking their strength back, I yeah. think.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, what do you think about comics?
3: Uh, I think it has been an incredible decade. I think it has seen a ton of great work. It, it is interesting because it's tough to nail down the actual figures on like how much the comics market overall has grown or hasn't. In some ways, it stays weirdly consistent year to year, even as it apparently fluctuates. There's a guy <laughs> who's been running the number since the 90s who's like... We're selling basically the same number, which is weird, (laughs) uh, because in theory, like, so many companies and individual fortunes have risen and fallen in that time. So, like, during this decade, we got DC's new 52. Mm -hmm. We got the 2011 uh, restarting of all of the numbering, at least, if not actually the whole universe, uh, which has led into a couple of other reshapings of the DC universe. Uh, we got a ton of transformative stuff at Marvel mm-hmm. in many ways. I think the story of this decade is about the rise of as we often talk about like kids in all ages graphic novels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the continued influence of manga and and on on the overall global market, which is just we don't spend a lot of time on it, but you can't talk about sort of people coming to comics without referencing some of the way that that like The the early '80s wave, the '90s wave, the '2000s wave—they're all different levels of people, but it's it's huge. Yeah. Uh, And the sorry, the story of this decade, I think for me, a lot is those indies. Is uh, image going from a company that you had probably heard of because you've heard of Spawn, you might have heard of Witchblade. Mm -hmm. It's got some different things going on uh, to like this open-door publisher for a bunch of the, like, incredible groundbreaking work, which, again, was following, uh, uh, like everything else, following on the heels of that history, following on mm. Vertigo did, following I, I, on long-form storytelling that was pioneered in, in other places as well. But, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting—I want to see where we go from here.
0: I love uh, both studios, so this isn't a slight on Image or Fox, but I feel like Image went from Fox to Fox Searchlight.
3: Hmm. I
0: feel like in the 2000s it was Fox it was making really cool really hardcore stuff I mean Fight Club came out in 99 guys Fox made a bold move they also made Alien all these things but then Fox Searchlight is the incredible independent stuff that don't have another home the things coming out of Image now are books that like I can't imagine anywhere else and Image is the is the company where if it has a number one I'm picking it up like I, I will experiment with Image yeah. and I feel like that's the way I feel about like A24 and Annapurna and Fox Searchlight and I feel like Image has really rebranded themselves and stayed consistent to their nature like I think Image is, is their last ten years their big story?
4: Yeah, I remember buying the first Image comics. Like yeah. I remember uh, Savage Dragon and Spawn and Wildcats and Gen 13 and all the. I collected it all because to me it was this is a competition to DC and Marvel. Yeah. What can this be? Yeah. What, what What are the new characters you're creating? Jim Lee's involved. Oh, who are those? Scott Todd McFarland. Oh, I love the Spider-Man run. What's this all about? So I remember picking them up, and I remember then image, kind of like not sure where it was going. And then you're right, Amy. You're absolutely right. Indies when I was growing up, doing the comics, and indies were rare, rare, <laughs> and they were few and far between that succeeded.
3: Yeah. Now we haven't even talked about Turtles, but right, right? Right, right. That's the, another one too. They're famous partly because that was so weird. Yeah. Like, what a weird thing to happen! You've created the greatest global, like most popular global brand in the world from your weird black and white indie before there was a Walking Dead.
4: Yeah. That's a great point, absolutely. And so to see how much of the last 10 years indie comics have like found audiences and g- encouraged voices that might never have had a shot in the mainstream area mm-hmm. has been incredible. And to see them find audiences and champions of those comics – have found uh, an audience as well, and all of it is positive because it allows for more and more stories to be told and more and more artists to show their work. And there's even more than the big three because, like, I've yeah. noticed, I do, uh, I do like the, the, my nine
0: favorite comics, and uh-huh. the more hashtags I'm noticing because I'm like hashtagging Boom and IDW and all these other houses yeah. more and more because mm. they're all dark horses back in a big way. Oh, that was empty. Uh, like, there's so <laughs> many, there's so many comics from so many houses that are all doing really well because they're not getting canceled mid-run. You're seeing runs right. finish. Wh- why in my day comics didn't finish? run. Sometimes yeah. you're just like, what happened to these yeah. characters? They just stopped. They That's just it. stopped. That's it. And it's been really nice to know closure. Yeah.
3: I guess the second also is marked a lot by creators who are working both in the big two in the indies and a really, I think, profitable conversation between the two. Mm-hmm. I think, like, weirder risk taking stuff in the indies is making room for weirder risk-taking stuff in the main books, mm, yeah. and a, an ability to practice your craft in both different settings. I think is benefiting a lot of creators. So now it has become standard to be like, okay, what's your X book, and what's your creator-owned thing you're doing on the side? Because mm. I assume you're doing both. And a lot of and people that are following. Feeds itself. And mm. a lot
0: of people will follow. Like I follow everything Chip Siddarsky writes. Wherever his house is, I will hunt it down. And I think a lot of more, a lot more creators are doing that. Just like in movies, like mm. Taika Waititi made Hunt for the Wilder People, which is brilliant and then got Thor, and I feel like people are now discovering Hunt for the Wilder People* because of Thor. Yep. So I feel like it's this beautiful Ouroboros of talent. Like, you'll follow these writers, these directors, yeah. these artists. What we're saying is comics are art, and you're welcome, society. We didn't
3: even mention <laughs> Netflix bought Miller World. Talk about a weird decade.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: that's true. And, like, Rob Liefeld, like, had a comeback. <laughs> Rob Liefeld with Major X and all the Deadpool stuff. Like, Deadpool had a comeback. Deadpool bought the Avengers in the comics, guys. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, it's. Yeah. Been- <laughs> It's and very true. It's, it's been really crazy. BC uh, Black Label, The Vertigo closure, yep. uh, uh There's been so much stuff. Miller's whole... Th- and I, think I talk
3: about, like, this is the decade Image got big, but Saga happened basically at the beginning of this decade, and Walking Dead was already a thing. So I'm, like, it's just watching that... Uh, watching everything that's grown out of those seeds. It's Mm. a truly wild time, y'all.
0: Yeah, it's been a glorious decade for comic books. I can't see it slowing down. Uh, It's been really cool to have an inundation of things we love. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this decade in review. And next week, we're going to be talking ahead. We're going to be looking at what 2020 might bring. We're going to be on Heroes looking forward to the multiple dates. We've got Birds of Prey, Black Widow, and Wonder Woman in one year. How am I going to
3: live through this? Like, we just discovered a
0: whole decade in an hour. How are we going to do a year interview at the end of next year? Like, there is so much. So uh, strap in for more glorious content. We will be here with you along the way. Please tweet at each of us, as you can probably tell by this last hour. John, Amy, and myself love to talk about this stuff. So yeah. please tweet us uh, on our various Twitters and Instagrams because there is no uh, way to cover it in an hour or six. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be here. And until next week, stay sweaty.